Our scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. These are the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, be our shepherd. But Lord, help us to follow you as well, that we might be a part of shepherding your people, that all people might experience the all-encompassing love of God. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, I don't know anybody who doesn't go to church. That's the most common response I hear to why people do not invite their friends to church, why they don't share their faith. It's a ready-made excuse to not witness. If I don't know anybody that doesn't go to church, if I don't know anybody that's not Christian, then I'm off the hook for witnessing, we might think. So evangelism's not my problem. Well, statistically speaking, that's just not accurate. Less than half of our country actively participates in church. Fewer than half of the people around us are active in church. Either you're a part of a very, very small circle of acquaintances, or you know somebody who doesn't go to church. Now, what happens a lot of times is we just assume that all of our friends are in church. We assume that our acquaintances, our co-workers all go to church, and, and maybe they do. But even if you're right, even if everybody that you know is already in church, even if everybody we know is already following Christ, it's not hard to find someone who isn't. It's, it's not hard to find for, to find people that aren't actively going to church if we just look around. I mean, just go to a ball game. Get to know the people around you there. Go to a public park. Hang out in a restaurant or a bar. Join a civic club. Uh, join an exercise club. Go get involved somewhere in the community, and you will get the opportunity to meet people who are not in church. If you want to find someone who isn't active in church, you won't have to look hard. They're all around us. Remember, more than one out of two people is not active in church. A little looking and we will find them. But the question that goes along with that is, does it bother us that people don't go to church? Does that weigh heavy on us at all? Now, I want to be careful here because I certainly would never shame people who don't go to church. I don't want to try to impose guilt on those that that aren't with us. I don't want to make them feel less than or less important. I, I would never shame people who don't go to church, partially because some stay away for very good reasons. 
I've known too many people who've been hurt by the church. They're staying away from us now for their own mental and emotional health. They don't need any more abuse at our hands. And, and I get that. And I support that. An increasing number of people are walking away from the church not to avoid God, but they're actually leaving the church to try to find God. The God that we read about in the scriptures, unfortunately, is not always on display in our churches. And so people who are, who are anxious to find the Jesus of the Gospels are beginning to look somewhere else too. And while that makes me sad, it makes me sad for the ways that sometimes our churches miss the mark. I understand that as well. So there's no shame intended at all for anyone who is not a part of church. But is our church a place where people can discover Christ? Is our church a place where people can find grace and forgiveness? Is this a place where people are welcomed and affirmed? All people. Is our church a place where people can safely experience the all-encompassing, all-embracing love of Christ? If so, if church is truly an opportunity to experience that kind of love, the love of God, then shouldn't we want everyone around us to experience that same love? If we have found something so life-giving, so life-changing here that it has restored us in this world, then shouldn't we want to offer that same gift to the people around us? I mean, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve what we have. It was a gift freely given to us. Shouldn't we want to just as freely give it to everyone around us? It, it breaks my heart that some of the people around us think that they're beyond God's reach. I, I've met people that think they've done too much, they've been too bad, that God would never want them back. It breaks my heart that people feel unwanted, that they feel unwanted by church. There's a, a common joke that I've heard people share that uh, people that have been away from the church, they say, if I were to ever walk in the church, the roof would probably cave in. Well, they're joking in a sense, but they're also helping us to understand uh, a miscommunication, a bad message that we've put out there that somehow or another you have to qualify. You have to meet a certain level of goodness to be among us. And it breaks my heart that people feel like they don't measure up and they're not wanted. You know what? It breaks God's heart too. The In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, the first four verses, God shares God's heart about this brokenness of sheep without a shepherd. Let me share that with you. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who are tending my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I am about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself shall gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and shall bring them back to their pasture and they will be fruitful and multiply. I shall raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them and they will not be afraid any longer nor be terrified nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. You know, that sentiment comes up over and over again in the scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
in, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, here in Jeremiah, Jesus revisits the text. This notion that God has had it with a religious institution that scatters sheep, that God has fed up with a religious institution that, has, that is not caring for the least, the last, and the lost. In fact, this passage in Jeremiah happens near the fall of Jerusalem. The holy, the holy city and the temple are going to be destroyed. They're going to be wiped out. Uh, that's a warning from God that God is fed up with religious leaders because they aren't caring for the people. In fact, the prophets will look back on the destruction of Jerusalem and they will realize that it was because they didn't care for justice. They didn't care for, for the hungry and the disenfranchised. For that, they lost their country. We would be foolish to think that God isn't taking note of the church in America. God gets real concerned about sheep who don't have a shepherd. And if the church is failing to communicate the love of God to the people that God loves, then we need to be aware that God is taking notice. But very often when people leave, instead of worrying or caring about them, we blame them. I've seen it so often that when people walk away from the church for whatever their reason, that we blame them. Well, they had a problem. Uh, they're probably backsliding. They're too picky. They're not serious enough about Jesus. They're just not as committed as we are. They just gave up the fight. We want to blame others for leaving. But you know what? If people are leaving, maybe it's because our message is not compelling enough. We like to blame them for leaving because it takes the responsibility off of us. Jesus goes after them. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who leaves the 99 in the fold to go look for the one who's lost. The one that's out there alone and helpless is more important, more urgent in need than those that are safe inside the fold. Now, to be sure, Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath during his earthly ministry. He hung out with the religious folks uh, on, on that one day a week at least, but most of his ministry was among the unwanted and the unwelcomed. Most of the time he spent around people that the synagogue didn't have time for. And that crowd wanted to be with him. Sometimes after preaching, Jesus would actually try to get away from the crowds for some downtime. He he needed some time to take care of himself, to recover and recuperate. Very often, <clears throat> the crowds would hunt him down. The people would come all the way around the lake to try to find him. They loved him. Lost people loved Jesus. The unwelcomed and the unwanted loved Jesus. When the church looks like Jesus, lost people will love it too. When the more we look like Jesus, the more the unwanted and the unwelcome will flock to us instead of walking away. In John 10, our text for today, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. He explains that when danger comes, the hired hand is more worried about his own comfort. There are those around us who are just concerned about getting their way. They want what they want out of worship and they're kind of like the hired hands. But the good shepherd is different. The good shepherd takes the risk 
protects the sheep and makes the sacrifice. Jesus says, as the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm going to protect the sheep if it cost me my own life. And we know that in his earthly ministry, it did. Jesus was crucified in an effort to protect the sheep that didn't have a shepherd. All around us are sheep without a shepherd. That bothers God. All around us are people that do not know, that have not yet experienced that life-changing love of God. That bothers God and it should bother us. Are we willing to follow in the footsteps of the Good Shepherd? Are we willing to do what it takes to welcome the outcast, to welcome the least, the last, and the lost? Are we up to the sacrifice? What risk will we dare take that someone else might discover the love of Christ? A recent question I've been hearing offers something of a case study into that very question. Quite a few people have been asking me about what worship will be like when we return to full in-person ministry. Uh, they want to know if the schedule is going to change. And people have begun weighing in with their opinion about whether they want it 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock or some other time. Well, first, let me tell you, no decision has been made. No changes have been made. If any change is considered, we will poll the entire congregation. Uh, you will get a chance to have a say. I, I promise you that. But the question has my curiosity up. People are sharing their preferences. This is what I want. I want to be in church early. I want to sleep a little later. I, and we want what we want, right? I get that. We, we want something that works for us. But what if we ask about the people who don't come to church? What if we ask about those who are not a part of the family? When would you be likely to worship? What if we thought about those people who are at work on Sunday mornings? For the last year, we've celebrated our first responders, our healthcare workers. A lot of those people have Sunday morning shifts. We've celebrated them. We want them to be there to care for us, but are we willing to accommodate them with our worship? They're just questions that I'm asking. I, I want to help us think beyond our own walls, to think beyond our own family. I understand that we want, that we have our preferences, that we want what we want. The bigger question is, are we willing to sacrifice we, what we want? Would we dare sacrifice what we want if it would share the love of Christ with someone who doesn't yet know it? Lots of people around us have not yet experienced the all-encompassing love of Christ. How far will we go to share it? 